Well, what I'm about to say may surprise you. Um, guy's around long enough, almost 13 years, and you think you know him. Not any more surprises up his sleeve. You've seen them all, and some of them more than once. But that's all about to change, because what I'm about to tell you will forever change your minds about the contents of my sleeves. Old dogs may not be able to learn new tricks, but smart dogs hold a few back in reserve for just such an occasion. So all of you who've settled into your usual sermonic posture, which is known in seminaries worldwide as the solemn siesta, take a note. Prepare to be shocked, surprised. Ready? All right, here's the surprise. Mary Lou and I are actually quite a bit different. Um, <laughs> take your time catching your breath. No, seriously, Mary Lou and I are quite a bit different. Um, it's true. Like, just the other day, we were at home engaged in our usual routines. Um, I was vacuuming the house and washing the dishes and doing the laundry and fixing dinner and opening the mail and balancing the checkbook and ironing the sheets and painting the back door, shoveling the snow, mowing the lawn, cleaning the gutters, reading my Bible, and feeding the cats. And Mary Lou was curled up on the lazy girl with a good book. Something about string theory or maybe the history of knowledge or good mystery or big fat 19th century novel or maybe Noam Chomsky's latest, just another normal day, in other words. And then the doorbell rang. Now it's important to know that Mary Lou and I react quite differently uh, to such unexpected events. Mary Lou likes things to be predictable, orderly, scheduled, prearranged, written down in the calendar, planned for, in other words. Whereas I'm more spontaneous more seat of the pants, and always ready to drop everything for the sake of an unexpected adventure. You may not have been aware of these differences, but believe me, they are real. So when the doorbell rings, I leap for the door, eager to welcome in whoever's dropping by out of the blue, while she runs off to check the calendar to see if we were expecting someone, and if we were, why it wasn't written down somewhere so that she could have been prepared. Marriage is a lifelong series of adjustments and compromises. We know that. Opposites may attract, but sooner or later, somebody's polarity has to change or things will fly apart. Trust me on that one. There's only three letters separating promise from compromise. Think about that. <laughs> anyway, the doorbell rang. And I turned off the mower, dropped the shovel, the hose, the broom, one soapy plate, the cat, and half a dozen other things, and positively leaped for the door, eager as always to see who was there while Mary Lou closed her book with a sigh that seemed to me to be far too dramatic for the occasion and walked up the stairs to the office to see if we were expecting the doorbell to ring at precisely that moment. Well, you'll never guess who it was standing on the other side of the door. It was Jesus, and not Jesus Cruz, though that would have been cool. <laughs> this was the older one, the Ancient of Days, the original one, the one who was there at the beginning, the carpenter's son, the virgin's son. There he was ringing my doorbell. Well, I did what comes naturally. I invited him to come in and rest a while. And he told me he was passing through town and had decided on a whim to stop in and say hello. Oh, those whims of his, um, more like winds, all unpredictable and uncontrollable and going wherever they willable. Which whimsical wind brought him to our door, I cannot say. But it's a fine wind that blows real good. And this one brought an old and true friend to my door. So thank heaven and set the table. I welcomed him in, offered him the most comfortable chair, the one that was most recently vacated by Mary Lou, 
And I ran to the kitchen and got a clean towel from the cupboard and filled a bowl with warm water and carried both back to the living room and gave them to him so he could wash up a bit, it being a typically dusty day in Lancaster town. Then I ran back to the kitchen and I grabbed a clean glass from the cupboard and I opened the freezer and got some ice cubes and put them in the glass and then opened the fridge and took out some freshly made that very morning homemade mint tea and filled him a glass and took it out to him. And then I grabbed the bowl of water and the towel, gave him the glass of ice cold mint tea and ran back off to the kitchen to start putting something nice together for lunch. So there I was in the kitchen, simultaneously whipping up something delicious, if I say so myself, and shouting toward the kitchen, uh, from the kitchen a litany of pleasantries designed to make our unexpected guests feel not only welcome but at home, it being the usual domestic hubbub that makes strangers feel like they belong. He shouted back now and again, um, once even offering to join me in the kitchen, but I said no, he should just sit back and relax. And did he know that his chair reclined in case he wanted to take a power nap or something? And before you can say lunch is ready, well, lunch was ready, and, and it was a fine one too, fit for an unexpected guest, an important guest, as every guest is, an old friend, someone we'd looked up to for a long time now, someone we'd probably die for if the occasion arose, though, well, we sort of hope it never will. I called Mary Lou and asked her to help me set the table and fill the glasses and get out the good napkins and help bring the food out to the dining room since the kitchen was now all hot and sweaty from all the action. And she didn't come. Now, don't get me wrong. We have a thoroughly modern marriage. No predetermined roles for us. We share equally the running of the house. We do. So, um, when I asked for help and Mary Lou didn't come right away, it's not that I felt disobeyed because disobedience or obedience is not a part of our marital, marital vocabulary. Um, it was more that I was disappointed, I guess, and a little bit frustrated because I was knocking myself getting lunch together, uh, knocking myself out getting lunch together, making our guests comfortable and being all jolly and such. And all I wanted was a little bit of help getting the finishing touches ready. And I called and she didn't come. So I did the proper thing and assumed she didn't hear me. It's little things like that to keep a relationship running along without a lot of unnecessary hitches. One of the most important benefits of any relationship is the benefit of the doubt. So assuming that she had not heard me, I went into the living room to ask her again. And I found her sitting on the floor facing Jesus and listening to whatever it was he was telling her. Something about string theory maybe or the history of knowledge or... Maybe he's explaining the mysteries of the cosmos or talking about that latest big fat novel he'd read. Or maybe something more personal, more private. Well, when I saw what I saw, something inside me went boing, like a spring unwinding too fast. And before I could stop myself, I insisted that Mary Lou get up and help me. And I insisted that Jesus tell her to do what I was asking her to do and to hold the conversation for later when all of us could hear and participate. Well, I regretted my outburst almost immediately, um, so the little self-righteous glow that accompanied it lingered just a little while. I tried to make some joke about how I guess this means Jesus is really part of the family if we behave like this in front of him. Never mind that um, the only one behaving like this was me. The pause, as they say, was pregnant. In fact, it went on so long I expected twins. Uh, sorry. But I can still feel the awkwardness, the, the awkwardness you feel when, when you know you've not only made a fool of yourself, but you've also hurt the one you love more than anything else. And 
and all of it in the presence of someone you hold in the absolute highest regard, I felt utterly embarrassed. Mary Lou looked mortified, not so much for herself, though I'd clearly been wrong in calling her out as I had. More for me, seeing how foolish I felt, how regretful, how sheepish. And that's love, sisters and brothers, when the one that you've wronged cares as much about the effect of that wrong on you as on herself. And Jesus, what did he make of this whole little domestic drama? Ron, Ron, he said, in that way he has of saying things, that way of calling you to do better the next time, and at the same time letting you know just how much he loves you. Like what every mother strives for when talking to her kids, what every dad wishes to be in those moments when he's called upon to offer discipline. Like even though you're disappointed in them, you love them more than anything else in the world and want them to know that first of all and last of all, like the discipline will come, but the love, the love is already there and always will be. You are worried and distracted by many things. Well, Lord, you got that right, I thought. Look at this endless list of things I need to attend to, a list that only gets longer, not shorter, the more I do. This little flurry of action that was caused by your visit, Lord, well, that's nothing compared to what all needs to be done. But you knew that already, didn't you? I can see it in your face. Yeah, I'm worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Now, I admit I'm still not quite sure how to take that. Um, was he saying that I really didn't need to prepare three organic free-range meats and three vegetables and a big salad and fresh apple pie made with local apples and homemade ice cream made with local ice and that I could have simply thrown together the leftovers and, and made the kind of casserole that you really only feed to your immediate family? That I could have slowed down and, and worried less and simply treated Jesus like I would treat Mary Lou, Dan, or Ben. Or was there something deeper in his words, some theological comment uh, on my behavior as it compared to Mary Lou's? That only one thing, was it, well, maybe it was something easily lost in the busyness, the hustle. It can only be found where Mary Lou was sitting. As I said, I can't be sure, though I suspect that there's more going on here than could be dreamed of in my meager philosophy or theology. Mary Lou has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Okay, that part hurt. Um, not in the way you hurt when someone attacks you or belittles you or makes fun of you or in some other way sets out to wound you, but it hurt more like the prick of the needle that draws blood it's for your own good and you know it is, but there is that moment when you feel the sharp end of the stick. Or like the sting of antiseptic on a brand new cut, salt in the wound that burns away the bad stuff but hurts like fire. My identity is, in some real way, formed by my busyness. That's no great revelation. It's true of all of us human beings. We, we understand ourselves as people who do and what we do shapes our self-perception. What we do becomes who we are. And so when what we do is challenged or questioned or poked at in some way, we can feel a bit rattled, like we've been hit by one of those earthquakes that Jay Parrish likes so much. Our teeth click together 
and our homes shake and, and we feel discombobulated for a minute. I mean, that's what Jesus' words did to me. They shook me. They discombobulated me. They made me lose my balance. But he said it with such affection, such good humor, such love for me, such love for me. And so rather than getting all hurt and curling up in a ball or getting defensive and resisting to the death, I was able to hold on to those words. And even, even years later, I was able to tell them to old brother Luke so he could add them to his collection. And Mary Lou, she gave me what I needed to hold on to those words, to let them sink in and do their work. She didn't take the high road or claim to be Jesus' BFF or anything. She waited with me, just like she had with Jesus. She waited for me to start talking about it, the whole story from beginning to end, until together we found our way through to someplace better for both of us. And what we came to together is this. When the sun comes to your door, you let him in. No hesitation. No checking the appointment book. No peeking behind the curtains, between the curtains to see who's there. No hiding behind the sofa until the bell stops ringing. When the sun comes to your door, you run to open it and you welcome him in. And that welcome, that dropping everything and running to the door, that inviting Jesus in and making him comfortable and washing him his feet and giving him some ice cold tea. All of those things are critically important first moves, moves which make everything else possible, moves without which nothing else can happen. I mean, if Martha had not run and opened the door and attended to all those acts of welcome, well, the story would go nowhere. Jesus would go on to find some other more hospitable place to be. Now, maybe Mary Lou's just being generous again, but she's got me convinced that while what comes next may be the better half, it never would have happened if I hadn't done what I do best, dropping everything and running to see who's at the door. That being said, there's a second move to be made when Jesus comes to your door, and that's the move we Mennonites call discipleship. It's the act of sitting and listening communing, if you will, with our most holy guest, learning, growing, obeying, asking questions and being questioned by the one who saves us, figuring out what it means to believe and to follow, to trust and obey, to pray and to practice. All of those things we do, the disciplines of our faith that both reveal our love for Christ and respond to his prior love for us, resting in Christ's presence, abiding, being embraced by God's love for us, love most fully made known in the one at whose feet we sit, the better part, Jesus called it, something precious that can never be taken away from us. Well, that's where we've come out, Mary Lou and I. Different as two peas and two entirely different pods we may be, but on this we are agreed, on this we are clear. Just as it takes two to tango, so there's more than one step needed on the road to discipleship. The welcome and all that goes with it is step one. And then hot on its heels comes the second step, equally necessary if the dance is to last at all. And I suppose that's where I want to leave us this morning, aware as we can be that we don't need to choose between Martha or Mary. We don't need to try to divide the characters and their actions into neat little compartments. We don't need to put Martha down to lift Mary up. For once, 
Let's not play the dualism game. Right and wrong, good and bad, good and better, better and best. No, not this morning. Let's choose not to choose sides today. Instead, I invite us to recognize that our discipleship begins when we respond to Jesus ringing the doorbell. It begins with those first acts of welcome. Come in, sit down, make yourself comfortable in our house. Have a cool cloth to wipe your face and hands. Have a glass of sweet iced tea. I hope you're hungry. Let's recognize that welcome is essential to what comes after, what can only come after we've opened the door and said, come in, Jesus. But let's not stop there. Assuming that once Jesus has entered our lives, that we're done now and can resume our normal way of behaving, no matter how good and right and noble it may be. No, let's understand that the welcome is only the first move. And after that comes a lifetime of discipleship, a lifetime of learning, a lifetime of listening and obeying and speaking and praying and sitting in the presence of the risen Savior. So, all you Marthas, rejoice, for yours is the hand that opens the door to Christ's kingdom. And all of you Marys, rejoice, for yours are the ears that hear everything that Jesus came to teach us. And now to close, one last bit of imagination. Do you hear it? The doorbell's ringing. Quick, somebody get the door. Somebody else get the iced tea. Everybody else grab a chair and sit down. We've got a long visit ahead of us. Amen.